Hey, Barry. Hey, Al. Why can't the party musician go into the tavern? Why? Because they were barred. It's time for Compelled Duel. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Compelled Duel. I'm Al. And I'm Barry. And we are a single-player co-DM'd Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition podcast. Previously on Compelled Duel. No, but seriously, what the fuck are you doing here? What the fuck are you doing here? We said we were going to cross this bridge when we came to it, Fee. You get in my way, I will push you off the side. I'm here to help you, Ferora, not hold your hand. I guess you're worth waiting for. God, Leo hates himself for this, but he grabs him and kisses him full on the mouth. What are you fighting for, Fee? I'm fighting for me, I guess. Listen here, y'all. Shit. However long you think you've waited to get your due, let me assure you, it has been longer for me. There's also a chance that once you go through the portal, the key will destroy itself. There is no just going home when the big battle's over, is there? Leo Soren's dead. Your brother collapses to the ground, screams in rage and loss and pain, and he casts a fourth level blight at you. Let's finish it. Yes, let's. Celica's improvised portal key starts to pulse with this sickly blue light. Fee lifts up off of her feet for a second, and then she sticks that other hand out to you. Is she in danger right now? It seems like it. He reaches into the portal to pull her out. As the other participants of this cataclysmic battle look on. Both of the Valsines disappear. And picking up right there, Leo, you crash through not really empty space, but like non-space in the portal. There is no feeling, there is no sensory experience of going through it. There is just nothingness. And you crash elbows first onto stone. (laughs) Next to you, Fee also crashes to the ground and just lays there for a second, taking a very deep breath. I get to my feet and look around. It is, first of all, bitterly cold. You are in a vast clearing on top of this portal stone. It is inert. It is not active. The diamond that the key was carved into you by Selicomorin has cracked down the middle, where it is still attached to a chain around your neck. And around you, you see... There is snow gently falling from the sky, and there are massive, incomprehensible trees. Easily, the base of the trunks are as big around as the portal. There's giant, narrow pines, snow gently falling through them, and in front of you is a vast skeleton. The humanoid being that the skeleton belonged to could have been 60, 70 feet tall. Oh, shit, we're not in Australia, are we? Uh, no. (laughs) No, from context clues, you think probably not. Leo brushes off the front of his armor, curses loudly, and just kind of kneels down and starts impotently smacking the diamond against the portal to try to make it work again. Next to you, Fee slowly gets to her feet and just looks around wildly for a second and says, Where are we? 
I don't know, genius. I'm not the one that fucked up the portal. Aren't you? Because it only activated when you got close to it, Leo. And it only put us wherever the hell we are when I decided to try to pull your ass out. Well, if it weren't for you, I wouldn't have needed pulling out, so thank you for doing the bare minimum. And if you'd stayed the hell out of my way, you wouldn't have been in there in the first place. You are so... And she, like, brings her hands up, making a motion like she wants to strangle you. Oh, no, it's on. If she even takes a step towards him, he's gonna football tackle her. (laughs) (laughs) Is that a grapple check? Yeah, make a grapple check. (laughs) 19. He's not even trying to resist it. You football tackle her and she just grabs you back and starts pulling her hair. I bite her. She yells, what the fuck? Do I do any damage with my pointy teeth? Yeah, roll 1d4 piercing damage. (laughs) Four. She yells, ow, because she has 12 hit points right now. Now eight. I think she just starts smacking you. (laughs) So Leo takes one bludgeoning damage as his sister just straight up boxes his ears. We're just rolling around in the dirt, slapping at each other and pulling hair (laughs) and scratching. She is yelling, you are so fucking annoying. Only because you ruin everything. If Leo's still, like, on top of her in the grapple, I think he just pauses for a second, looks down, and sees where his engagement ring is still on the chain around her neck. For a moment, that anger just kind of drops away, and he looks raw. And then the rage comes back, and he tries to snatch for it, and yells, Fucking give me that! Ow, ow! You grab the chain, and I think it snaps. You have the ring in your hand, the chain breaks apart. And then I'm gonna roll something, just a straight luck check. Ooh. Ooh. That was a nat one. (laughs) You grab the chain, it breaks apart, and there is a silver coin on it next to the ring. It snaps off and bounces away across the portal. And you see, just a second too late, that around the edge of this portal, it is a sheer drop-off. And it rolls, bounces, and goes straight over the edge. That's nice. Did I get my ring? Yeah. Fee is looking after this coin, and you watch her face just fall. As you are grabbing your ring, are you putting it on? Uh, Yeah, I think I'm still just, like, sitting on top of her trying to keep her pinned down, but yeah, Leo just jams it on his finger. She's gonna roll a grapple check to just fucking body. (laughs) (laughs) That was also a 19. 18, so my sister bodies me. She watches this coin roll away, and she just screams in rage, and just lunges up, and just fucking slams you into the ground. She is on top of you. She is pulling an arm back to punch you square in the face. She is just yelling, I can't have fucking anything with you around. And as she's doing that, you hear a noise. It is like a twig snapping, but so, so much louder. And roll me perception. Ten. You see out of the corner of your eye a shape rising from the ground by one of these tree trunks. Leo just kind of jerks his head over towards the noise, looking at Fee and hoping that this will mean that she won't just absolutely beat his face in. Fee pauses for a second, looking like she's thinking about it, and then she looks where he's looking and says, Shit! I I get to my feet if she'll let me. She scrambles off you and gets to her feet and pulls her wand back out. You see, by the trunk of one of these massive trees, rises a shambling earth elemental. This massive being of stone and dirt. It raises one arm and slams it into the ground. And it raises the other. Slam. And as it's doing that, you hear... And from the ribcage of this vast skeleton, 
you see these little whirlwinds in the air start to coalesce and form into massive air elementals, two of them. Oh, fuck. He says, Camel's fucking bones. And everybody roll initiative. <laughs> Not too bad. That's an 18 for Leo. And Fee got a 15. Both of the air elementals rolled a 6. And the earth elemental rolled a natural 1, which means it's a 0. Since it rolled a natural 1 with our homebrew rule, that means that we're going to get surprise rounds on it, right? Yeah, just on the earth elemental. Okay, since I'm up first in the initiative, what I'm going to do, I see how poorly Fee is looking. Leo whips around, glares at her, and says, I'm only doing this because these things don't get to kill you. That's my job. And then he smacks her on the back with a third level cure wounds. Okay, so that's an eight, a four, and a three. I'm going to spend a sorcery point to do empowered healing, so reroll the three for me. Oh, we got one more point. That was a four. She gets 20 back. Hell yeah. And up next is Fee. Fee... Looks like she's going to say something for a second and then shakes her head and is going to try to run up on the Earth Elemental. And that does put me in range for this, so if he's going to cast Shatter, it needs to make a con save. With disadvantage, because it's made of stone. Understood. Okay. Uh, does a 12 do it? It does not. The save DC is 15. At third level, that's going to be 4d8 thunder damage, and if I remember correctly, Earth Elementals are vulnerable to thunder damage. Yes, they are vulnerable. So whatever you roll, it's going to take double that damage. Okay, that's 21, so 42 thunder damage. Okay, yeah, it super didn't like that. You run up on this thing and you blast it with a shatter and you see part of the shambling pile of rocks forming its body just cracks and sloughs off and it lets out this spectral rumbling roar that shakes your bones. And now we're down to the air elementals. So they are both flying up on Leo. They have a recharge ability that I'm going to roll for for both of them. Yep. So the first one is going to fly up onto the same space as Leo and use its whirlwind ability. Each creature in the elemental space must make a DC 13 strength saving throw. So let's see if I can do that first. Leo rolled a two. <laughs> With his modifier, that is a four. So Leo is thrown 20 feet away from the elemental in a random direction and takes 3d8 plus two bludgeoning damage. <laughs> he is thrown off towards the direction that Fee ran off. This whirlwind just picks him up. Fee, you hear his scream dopplering around on the inside of this twister, and then it just launches him, and he goes flying through the air and fully eats dirt, like just slides along on his face along the ground. Let me roll that damage for him. I do think Fee just looks over her shoulder and very quietly says, dude. Ah! He goes flying through the air and just <laughs> hits the ground with a crunch. <laughs> 22 bludgeoning damage. So Leo has seven hit points. <laughs> the other air elemental is going to fly up on him now that he has been yoked across the battlefield. It did not get that recharge ability, however, so it's not going to be able to throw him again. So it's going to try to make two attacks. Misses on both. So thank God, because yeah. that would have probably laid Leo out. The Earth Elemental's not going on its first turn, so we're back up at the top of the order with Leo. He is prone, so he's using half his movement to get up. So he's going to use the other half of his movement to haul ass away from these Earth Elementals, not that it matters, and cast a third level Cure Wounds on himself. If he gets up on Fish, he can use Empowered Healing again. Yeah, cool, I'll do that. So Leo's going to get a total of 26 hit points back, which, good, because that hurt. And he whips around and looks at Fee and goes, uh-oh. Understatement of the decade. And then it's Fee's turn, so Fee's going to try and cast Shatter on this Earth Elemental again. <laughs> Roll me a con save with disadvantage. 
God damn, 13. Not gonna do it, bud. Okay. And Fee's gonna do Empowered Spell to re-roll some of those dice. Okay, so Fee had to use all of her re-rolls, but she does 50 damage. And as she's doing that, she's gonna yell at Leo, Do you have a plan to get out of here? I think that you should keep doing exactly what you're doing to the big rock guy, because that seems to be really working for us. Well, that was the last time today I can put that level of oomph behind that spell, so what's the next step? Run. (laughs) And then the elementals go. This is going to suck. Let me roll for the recharge on the air elementals. And they're going to each go up to you and make two slam attacks. So two attacks on Fee, two attacks on Leo. Okay, only one of those is going to hit Leo, because Leo has a shield. So he takes ten bludgeoning damage from that. Ow. And then the other one's going to make two attacks on you, Fee. That's a dirty 20 and a 10. One of those is going to hit, yeah. And you take 13 bludgeoning damage from that. Ouch! You guys are back down after all that healing to not looking good again. Uh, The Earth Elemental's actually going to get to go this round. So it also makes two slam attacks. It's going to make one on Leo, one on Fee. The one on Leo is a dirty 20 to hit. That's going to hit. Oh, but it rolled two ones. (laughs) So it only does... uh, Seven damage. Oh, good. Only seven damage on the worst it can possibly roll. Yeah, Leo's not down to 16 hit points or anything. And then the one on Yuffie is definitely going to hit. That was a natural 17. And Fee, you are unconscious. Fuck. Can I get a Hellish Rebuke on it before I go down? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so roll a dex save on the Hellish Rebuke. That's a nine. Not going to do it. So it's going to take that full 3d10 lightning damage. Two nines and a three. That's 21. Yeah, this thing is not looking so good, but you are unconscious. Love this for me. It just clocks you in the back of the head and you instinctively let off this hellish rebuke, but you go down like a bag of bricks. It's not good. And... Now we are back up at the top of the order. Only Leo sees this happen because you are knocked out on the ground. But there is a thump, 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 rapidly approaching through the forest towards your location. This fight has not been quiet. And coming out between these massive trees, a rabbit that is the size of a very large horse comes just hopping full tilt. And there are two people on the rabbit's back. Were you conscious, Fee? You have never seen or heard of a Goliath or a Fearbolg before, so you and Leo both have no idea what's going on with these people. The one that is steering the rabbit with a leather halter around its neck is like seven and a half feet tall. Their entire body is covered in a light brown fuzz. Their hair up top is a little bit longer, like badly cut bangs and an overgrown undercut. They have big brown eyes, kind of like a bovine looking flat nose and are dressed in simple leather armor with two big hammers strapped down at their sides. Riding behind them, arms around their waist is about a seven foot tall completely bald stone gray skin figure with like wild dark tattoos up and across their face and skull big walking stick tucked into the saddle no shoes (laughs) they both hop out of the saddle and start running full tilt toward you two the big tall kind of bovine slash pseudo elvish almost looking person comes sprinting over past you jumps up in the air as a bonus action is going to cast hunter's mark on the earth elemental and bring the hammer down so they're going to roll to hit they are going to get advantage because you two are flanking so they are going to hit so eight damage 
but they do get a second attack, so I'm going to roll to hit on that. Natural 20. Yes! <laughs> we don't even need to roll the damage. It has one hit point left. This person comes through, croquet hammer swings one time at this earth elemental, really puts a hurting on it, and then brings their other hammer up and smashes it down into its head, and this thing just dissolves into a pile of gravel, dust rising around it. And then next in the order, Leo is standing there on the other side of where this person just fucking demolished this elemental, blinks twice, and goes, Thanks! So Leo's gonna stay where he is. He can't do two spells in one round, but he can do a cantrip and a bonus action healing word. So he's gonna bonus action healing word fee at second level. Or actually, no, I'm gonna make that a first level and just get her back up, and then I'll come back and heal her more later. I'm going to burn another sorcery point for empowered healing. Yeah. Reroll that. <laughs> uh, so you're back up, Fee, with seven hit points. He does that, gets her back up, turns around, and is going to do a chill touch on one of the air elementals on the closest one. It's not going to do it. He misses. Spell goes wide. And that's Leo's turn. So now we're down to Fee. You're back up. Seven hit points. Fee gets back up from unconsciousness. And then she's going to cast a Witch Bolt on the closest air elemental. 18. That will hit. Roll damage. I'm going to do that at second level, so that's 2d12. So that's 15 lightning damage. That's actually going to be 7 lightning damage. They're resistant. Hate it here! So the air elemental that you just hit is going to try to fly up on you, but one of your new saviors is in between you and it, so it's going to have to try to hit them. And neither of those hit. It was a four and a three. Yeah, baby! Okay, second one's coming for Leo, though. And Leo's about to take another trip. Leo goes flying up and into the ribcage of this skeleton and just kind of hits it Wily Coyote style and slowly sinks to the ground. He is unconscious. Oh, fuck. But then your other new savior, Fee, you woke up to these people being here and you have no idea who they are, but they seem to be helping you. This big Goliath form, crazy tattoos all over her skull, hops down out of the saddle of this giant rabbit very calmly walks over to Leo, says something in a language you don't understand, but then just kind of pokes him in the ribs with the bottom of her staff and <laughs> casts a Cure Wounds on him. So Leo gets 25 hit points back, and we are back up at the top of the order with our hammer-wielding friend. So our hammer-wielding friend just uh, rebuffed two slam attacks from this air elemental, I think just batted them out of the way with their hammers. And they are going to roll two attacks. Only one is going to hit. And as a bonus action, they're going to move their hunter's mark to the air elemental. So they still get the extra damage. So that's ten damage. It still looks like it feels okay, though. And then Leo gets back up. <gasps> Slowly gets back up to his feet. Ow, 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 ow. So at this point, Leo has been thrown across the battlefield by both of these air elementals. They're just playing ping pong with him. And he gets up from being prone at the bottom of this skeleton, points at the nearest one and goes, Oh, I'm coming for you. And takes off at a sprint. He can only move 15 feet because he was prone. But that is going to be close enough for me to roll to hit on a second level inflict wounds. Oh yeah, that's going to hit. So I am dumping all of my shit from Kimrel's Blade into this thing, so I'm going to get to do max damage, so that's going to be 40 damage to begin with, and I'm also going to dump one of my two channel divinities, which means that there are now two opportunities I get to just add 19 necrotic damage onto anything I want. So that will be a crisp 59 damage to the first air elemental. So Leo takes this air elemental from looking pretty okay to looking fucked up in one round, he just runs, jumps, jabs this crazy-looking knife into the side of this thing, and in the wind that's making up its swirling body, you can see swirls of black necrotic energy going up through it, and it just screams in pain. 
Fee still has a Witch Bolt active on that same air elemental. So she's going to go ahead and roll that 2d12 lightning damage again. So Fee rolls 15 damage. Yeah, it is resistant, so that's going to be half to seven, but this thing is barely standing. All right. Second air elemental is coming down for you, Fee. Let me roll to recharge on it. Nope, you're fine. So you're not taking a ride. But it is going to roll two slam attacks on you. Three and a four. Yep, highest one's a 12. Not going to do it. God damn. Okay. Just barely not going to do it because Fee's AC is 13, but I appreciate it anyway. The one that's in the middle of all this melee right now that just got stabbed by Leo, it's going to make one slam on our hammer-wielding friend and one slam on Leo. You cannot hit this ranger. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's not going to (laughs) hit. They smack the attack out of the way with their hammer again and yell something very threatening in this language you don't understand. Uh, And then let's see, let's roll it on Leo. Nope, it's not going to hit Leo either, because Leo's armor class is 18 because he has a shield. So no attacks hit. Which is good, because Leo still looks very fucked up. And then we are down to our druid friend with the staff that just brought Leo back up. I think she's actually going to run up on Fee and hit Fee with another Cure Wounds at third level. So Fee, you get 21 back. And then we are down to our hammer friend, who again gets two more attacks with Hunter's Mark. First one's going to hit. Another nat 20. This air elemental is just completely destroyed. It peters out with a burst of wind. This person came out of the woods and has killed two of these elementals. Yeah! In the space of, like, less than a minute. And then it's Leo who's going to run up on the air elemental that is at the back, that still looks in full health and has taken no damage. So Leo's going to do the same move again, second level inflict wounds. He can't do his max damage again because that's just once a day, but he can dump his channel divinity and add 19 if he hits. Yep, that's gonna hit. Hachi machi. (laughs) So that's gonna be 32 damage, just on the inflict wounds. Leo runs up on this air elemental that just threw him backwards into the skeleton, and as he's running, he shouts over his shoulder at Yuffie, I don't ever want to hear you say I'm full of hot air again. And then he stabs it and does 51 damage, takes it down over half its health in one round. And that's Leo's turn. Fee, you're up. Fee yells, noted. And then I'm going to use Quicken Spell to cast True Strike on the other air elemental. So that gives me advantage as I go ahead and cast the Guiding Bolt. So that's a dirty 20. That will absolutely hit. Roll damage. And then I'm going to use my last sorcery point to roll Empowered Spell so I can re-roll the damage dice. So that's 22 Radiant Damage, and then the next person who rolls an attack on this Air Elemental gets advantage. Alright, but then the Air Elemental is up. It's right next to Leo. Let me see if Leo's taken another flight. (laughs) No... Oh, man. (laughs) No! (laughs) Again? Again, yep. (laughs) This poor bastard. So Leo goes flying back 20 feet. You hear his voice fading away. Are you kidding me? Crash into the ground near the portal stone. And he takes 17 damage. (laughs) And then it is our druid friend that came to save us. She is going to bonus action healing word Leo at third level. Leo gets 16 of those points he just lost back. And then with her action, she's going to cast Thorn Whip. So she's going to roll to hit on the elemental. She gets advantage because of your guiding bolt. Natural 17, that's going to do it. Elemental takes five damage. It is still up. It is not looking good, but the rest of you guys are going to get a round in on it. So top of the order goes to our friend with the hammers. 
who is going to bonus action move their hunter's mark once again. And then with the hunter's mark is going to take two attacks on the elemental. Neither of those are going to hit two twos. So then we're down to Leo, who has quite a bit of a ways to run. (laughs) Leo gets up from being prone, moves 15 feet back towards the air elemental. He is not close enough to do another inflict wounds, but he is close enough to cast spiritual weapon. He goes, you know what? Fuck you. And this phantasmal sword appears in the air in front of him and flies off towards the elemental. That is a 16. That's going to hit. So that's a total of 10 damage. This thing looks severely, severely hurt. Like it could take one more hit. And Fee, it's your turn. Leo yells, you know what? Fuck you. (laughs) And Fee's gonna say, well, at least we agree on something. (laughs) And then Fee's gonna cast a first level guiding bolt. Uh, That's a natural 17. Yep. 4d6 damage. Yeah, it's dead. You just blast this thing with a beam of radiant energy and it dissipates into wisps of mist. And the four of you plus the giant bunny are all just standing in the wreckage. Leo is bleeding heavily and bruised all to shit from being thrown around this battlefield. He has scrapes up both of his arms and like on his face. Fee's a little roughed up also. (laughs) Not as bad though. Panting with his knife pointed with a shaking hand at nothing, Leo goes, Worst. Day. Ever. The big Goliath lady settles her big staff on the ground and like shifts her posture so she's leaning on it a little bit. And then says something rapid fire in that language you don't understand. And Leo and Fee, I think, have probably been yelling at each other in Elvish this entire time. Leo's gonna switch to Common. Does anybody here speak common? The Goliath lady says, Ah, yes. Thank you for saving us. That was very bad. Yes, I don't know why you are, uh, fight the elementals. It is not a good idea, generally. Nothing we have done in the past several decades has been a good idea. I'm coming to the conclusion. Hello, I'm Laurel Valsine. I'm the Grand Duke of Australia. Thank you so much. Very nice to meet you. And Fee says, in common, and I am Fora Valsine. And then she narrows her eyes at Leo and says, Australian Grand Duchess, lovely to make your acquaintance. You are? The Goliath lady shifts her posture and says, I am Ilva of Clan Mistfoot. Uh, by deed, I am named She Who Crushed the Skull of the Wolf. Down in Ivagorsk, the uh, sailors in common, they call me Skull Crusher. I go with this because it is badass. I am healer and protector of the woods along the mountains. And then she gestures at the fearbulg who has gone back to this big rabbit and is just like gently petting it. And says, that is my wife. Uh, by fearbulg custom, they have no name. What? What's a fearbulg? The bovine looking person turns around and raises a hand and says, this one is Fearbog. Ah! Leo, kind of mirroring their gesture, raises a hand and goes, This one is Elf? They nod and they say, This is good. You fight fiercely for baby. I'm not a baby. I'm 130 years old. They look you up and down and then shake their head and say, No, you're a baby. And then they turn to the rabbit and say, This is Kodles. He's Highland Battle Bunny. Uh, what now? <laughs> Slower there, Pete. Highland Battle Bunny. Cool, 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 cool. Could one of you intrepid heroes tell me where we are? The Goliath lady says, You are in Oskaya. Uh, you are... I do not know how to say it in common. And then she rattles off a couple words in giantish. Is uh, in the north. Do I need to roll any kind of check to see if I know where the hell Oskaya is? Yeah, do that. I'll roll one for Fee as well. Roll history. That's an 18 for Leo. Yeah, Fee got an 11. So, Leo knows. Oskaya is way off in the east compared to Asheria. It's it's past the big mainland continent that 
Tordun and Vogladur are on. It is, as far as you know, not heavily populated. There's not a lot of records on it in Australia because Australians don't go other places, first of all. And second of all, like, not a lot of people travel in Oskaya. Low population, there is exactly one city in the entire country. Calling it a city is charitable. It is a large town. <laughs> Great. So we are as far from home as we can possibly be in the world right now. Pretty much. Leo nods very cordially, says, thank you, and then turns around and cusses and kicks at a rock on the ground. <laughs> Fee looks a little bit shell-shocked. She just nods to herself. She goes, okay, so. And then she, like, makes a motion with her hands like she's going over a map in her head and goes, all right, well, that's troubling. Uh, how long is it to get to a boat? She's talking, like, very unsurely in common because she doesn't speak it often. Oh, if you got money for a boat that I didn't know about because I don't have any. Through her teeth, she says, we'll figure that out when we get there, Layerel. The big Goliath lady says, well, Isa, and then she tilts her head like she's thinking to herself, about a month and a half ride to Ivagorsk. A month and a half? She says, Okay, great. And then the Goliath lady says, that's if you go along the coast, which I don't recommend, really. Uh, it's probably a little bit longer if you go through the swamp, which is the easiest route. A month and a half through the swamp. Great. Leo has this manic, unhinged smile. <laughs> she says, right, right, that's very interesting. Okay. And she just, like, nods to herself. She has her hands clenched into fists behind her back. Okay, will you excuse me? And then she just walks off to the portal and just casts a gust spell. You see wind whipping around her for a second. <sighs> the fear bug says, I don't recommend going by the ocean. Uh, we have, uh, love mine, how do you say in common? And then says something in giantish. And then the Goliath lady says, Snapping turtle. I think we can handle snapping turtles if going down the coast is faster. The fear bug says, You think you can handle snapping turtle? They put their hands about yeah, six feet apart and say, Their mouth is this big. Ah, that would explain the rabbit, then. Seems we have a few matters of perspective in terms of size. <laughs> To come to terms with. The fearbug nods. They say, It's okay, baby. You'll learn. Not a baby. <laughs> again, grown ass man. Thank you so much. They look you up and down again and say, No. Probably, Cutlass cannot carry all four of us, but we get the other one. We take you, we go down the mountain. Yes? It's not safe to be here. There are, uh, uh, Many things in the woods. Sure. <laughs> Leo is just biting back a fucking panic attack right now. The big Goliath says, He's fine. We go down the mountain. Uh, the swamp is mm, not very uh, easy to travel at night. And we make camp when we get to the base of the mountain. Yes? Yeah, yeah, fine. I have no idea what's going on or what's going to happen. I very much appreciate having someone's lead to follow. Again, he just has that big, manic, unhinged smile. Come along, Ferora. Fee groans super loud. <laughs> you see her nod to herself, and she takes another step towards the edge of the portal and just looks over the ledge where the coin that you snapped off her neck vanished and nods again and then turns around and stomps past you. As she passes you, she just shoulder checks you a little bit. It's very petty. <laughs> I stomp on her foot. She winces. She says, yeah, let's go down the mountain. Watching this interplay between you, but deciding not to comment on it very obviously, Yulva says, absolutely, let's, uh, this seems like it will be a good traveling atmosphere. Love mine. 
we let the little ones have the bunny. And this one <laughs> says, yeah, yeah, cuddles. They grab the rabbit by the face and say, you behave with the babies. Not babies. <laughs> and they just say, no. <laughs> <laughs> I very gingerly reach out and try to pat the rabbit on the side of a face the way you would a horse. <laughs> to gain its trust. Roll animal handling, yeah. Oh no. That's a 15. You pat the side of this rabbit's face. Cuddles yawns and exposes teeth longer than your hand and then just like settles down and just starts chewing cud okay battle bunny i get it i climb on the bunny <laughs> you clamber onto cuddles's back on this really well crafted simple leather saddle she climbs up behind you and just nods to herself again and goes month and a half leo is not speaking to her I think as they start headed down this mountain, he just loops one arm through the reins to keep himself on the back of the rabbit, but the hand he has looped through there is twisting at the ring around his finger, and he is just dead silent the entire time that they are traveling. So, Fee, you are on the back of this gigantic bunny with your brother, who is sitting there in surly silence the entire time, just sort of watching the world go by as you make your way down this huge mountain that you found yourself on top of. You can tell it's going to take you a long time to even get out of this mountainous region. It is way bigger than the mountain range that made up the area along Gimtarum, where you could make it up or down to the peak in about an hour and a half. You're going to be going for days. As you're going along, you start to get the impression that everything in Askaya is vastly inflated in size. These trees that were around the portal, the massive 20-30 foot thick trunked pines, they don't get any smaller. You do see a couple of animals moving about in the forest as you make your way down this trail hedgehogs that are the size of cows. Just massive, massive flora and fauna. Even the wildflowers tower up over your head as if they were trees. It is mind-blowing how huge everything is. I think upon seeing your eyes kind of go a little big as you watch this, this one, the Fearbulg, hangs back a little bit as... Skullcrusher leads you down through this path and kind of nods their head up at you and goes, You are not from neighborhood, I take. Ah, uh, no. Born and raised in Asheria, this is the first time I've been away for very long. This one does not know this Astraria. Oskaya was once land of giants. Long ago, many brave men, they killed the giants, but eh, we keep moving because sometimes you have village and then wolf come. Oh. Fee looks at the rabbit, looks back at this one, says, Wolves! Did I, did, did I hear correctly that your wife has killed one of those? Yes, love mine is Goliath. They name by deed. She crush the head of wolf once. Right. Interesting. Fee looks at Ilva, the Goliath woman, with a little bit of nervousness. <laughs> <laughs> you ride for hours. You're not going to get out of this mountain range in that time, but you do start to see more signs of humanoid population around. As this one was telling you, it all seems very nomadic. You see a couple camps in the distance that are set up. You can see collectives of either Goliaths or Fearbulg, uh, sometimes a mix of the two. Sometimes you've never seen a Genasi before, but very elementally touched people 
made up of what appears to be solidified water or condensed air, stony, craggy earth. Again, in the neighborhood of seven feet, even the humanoids here are much larger than you are used to. They are making their homes pretty much anywhere they can. You pass a small encampment of Goliaths that have actually set up a camp and buildings inside the calcified skulls of fallen giants from long ago. And at one point you pass a river with a waterfall that is coming out of the calcified skull of a giant and you can just see the bones poking up through the mountainside around it. It is jaw-dropping, awe-inspiring, and fear-inspiring because you are acutely aware just how far you are from home. This one walks alongside, cuddles the gigantic rabbit for most of the trip down the mountain. And after another couple hours of Leo just sitting there in stony silence, twisting at something on his hand, they lean over to you again and they say, Why is baby angry? And in front of you, Leo goes rigid, but does not say anything. Well, you know how babies throw tantrums when they don't get what they want. In front of you in the saddle, very suddenly in Elvish, Leo screams, I'll kill you! And he's gonna roll a grapple check and try to tackle you off the rabbit to the ground. That's an 18. That's a 22. <laughs> okay, so you beat the grapple check. What are you doing? I'm gonna get him in a headlock. <laughs> <laughs> so you get him in a headlock, and in the process of this, because the bunny is still moving, and because you guys are rolling around in the saddle, Leo does fall out of the saddle, and you are holding him aloft by his head. This is all your fault! He bites you again. Stop fucking biting, and he's gonna pull his ear. (laughs) (laughs) You, like, get him by one of the earrings, and he yells. (laughs) Off to the side, this one goes, Enough! Enough! Leo's not listening. He had used the rest of his first-level spell slots to heal himself up a lot after the battle, but he does still have cantrips. You're gonna make me a disadvantaged dex throw because you're locked in the grapple with him. Five. You take eight damage as he grabs at the arm that you have barred across his neck and just casts a sacred flame directly on your arm to get you to let him go. Fee yells, Ow, you jackass! Fee's gonna cast a witch bolt on him. 23. Yep, go ahead and roll me that 1d12 damage. That's 11 lightning damage. You said I was holding him up? Yeah. Fee drops him. <laughs> <laughs> He drops him and then casts a witch bolt. Leo falls to the ground in a heap, sits up with one finger up to point at you and yell something, and then you just blast him. You see the lightning go into him through his fingertip and frizz out his hair, and he skids back along the ground a little bit. He stands back up and starts running back for the bunny and gets caught by the back of the armor by Ilva of Clan Mistfoot, she who crushed the head of the wolf who lifts him bodily off the ground and then gets you by the back of the neck and lifts you bodily out of the saddle. She is holding you both up over the ground, separated from each other, one in each hand, and goes, Enough! Why do you fight so loudly? Do you want Bear to come? (laughs) She says that and Leo's eyes get really big as he realizes what the implications of a bear are. Fee looks as dignified as she can while she's being held by the back of the neck, like a kitten, and says, Very sorry, ma'am. We'll be quiet. Yes, our apologies, Miss Skullcrusher. Can you put me down, please? She drops you both. You both crumple to the ground. She looks fed up. Get in saddle, or I will turn this bunny around. She sits very primly in the saddle and brushes dust and cinders off of her skirt. 
Leo with scorched eyebrows and his hair sticking out almost straight from his head also climbs back up into the saddle and just glares at you before he turns around. A little worse for wear and very chastised, both of you ride off into the distance for a few more hours until eventually this one puts a hand up. You can see them close their eyes and do something similar to what you've seen Arave do before, where they're like using their ranger senses to kind of map out the area. They nod to themselves. We will camp here. It's a seemingly innocuous spot in the middle of the woods. It's not a clearing or anything, but apparently they think it's a good spot. Leo just hops off the rabbit and stalks off until he's 20 yards away from you and just leans against a tree and glares. Keep it up with the mature behavior, baby. His lips press into a thin line and he nods and then lunges forward and reaches for his sword, and he gets caught in the stomach by just a clothesline from this one. He's, like, draped over their forearm. They say, sit down. Yeah, Leo, sit down. (laughs) (laughs) Do not antagonize the baby. I will go find supplies for fire. Love mine. Watch them. And they just disappear into the woods. Yovel starts pulling stuff out of the saddlebags, pulls out a big tent that looks like it could fit two seven-foot people and maybe a little extra. She pulls out. It looks like kind of a big canopy that you can't really see through and just like starts sticking it up to be like a roof. So, the two of you come from Australia? I think so. Right. I do not understand how you got to Askaya, but... All due respect, Miss Skullcrusher, that is such a long story, and I really feel like you wouldn't be interested, and frankly, I'm not interested in retelling it. She nods, she says, this is understandable, and then, like, waves a hand and says, call me Ilva, uh, Skullcrusher is deed name, is very formal. Ilva, yes, thank you. She starts passing around, like, rations and stuff. This one keeps setting up the fire and mumbles to themselves in giant dish. <laughs> Cuddles, settles down. This one says, no, it is important that you do not. Uh, and then they gesture at the roof over where they're setting up the fire. That you do not take fire out from under this. No light in the woods. Yes. What if I have to go pee? Pee in the dark. If you bring fire, moth will come. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. I just eat my food in surly silence, and then go to bed. Fee is staring into the fire, (laughs) fully dissociating. (laughs) You go off to bed. After a while, this one and Ilva both go into the tent with you. They just kind of, like, lay down on one side of the tent and go right to sleep. Fee does not come in. Leo is too wound up to trance. He just lays there staring at the ceiling of the tent, twisting his ring around and around his finger. And eventually just gets up, grabs the lantern from the mouth of the tent, and goes like he's going to walk off into the woods. I'm just going to roll something real quick. (laughs) Okay, you walk off into the woods. As you do that, a moth that has a five-foot wingspan. <laughs> oh, oh, no! <laughs> I didn't think to be afraid of the moths! A moth with a five-foot wingspan comes out of the trees at the lantern. <laughs> Leo shrieks, casts a thaumaturgy to dampen the lantern, and just takes off running with no direction, screaming at the top of his lungs. He does not like bugs. You tear off through the woods, the moth stops chasing you. You, I think, stop to get your bearings after a minute (laughs) when you realize that you cannot hear the moth's massive, horrible wing beats behind you. And then from the side, you hear... Leo goes stiff as a board and does not turn around. 
Hi. Kimrel says, Well, this didn't go how we planned, did it? Yeah, and I'm not really in the mood to rehash all the bloody details, so let's just cut to the chase, shall we? Leo sticks a hand out. Kimrel tilts his great horned head. And then steps closer to you. Do you have a plan to go forward? Leo doesn't respond. He's just got his hand stuck out. Kimrel sighs, says, There's no need to be petulant. And then grabs Leo's hand. And you level up. Okay, so I'm a level 8 cleric now. Does that recharge my spell slots? Yes. Okay, as soon as I have the ability to cast spells again, I am immediately firing off a third level sending to Zed. The sending message says, I'm alive, very far away. Don't know when or if I'll be back. I'm so sorry. Please don't wait for me. There is a long stretch of silence. And then the reply comes. Zed's voice in your head says, Fuck off. We were supposed to get better, you asshole. Leo looks extremely hurt and just sucks in a sharp breath. Okay. Is Kimrel still there? Mm Mm-hmm. Leo reaches down again and starts spinning the ring around his finger, and his jaw clenches so tight that his teeth hurt. They teach us in church, when we are tiny, tiny children, that you are the master of death, and that when any true-born Australian dies, that you are there, and you know, and you mark their passing. Is that true? Kimrel tilts his head again and says, More or less. I just had a question about how many times you came to me with your spells and your performance reviews and your stupid riddles and you knew that he was dead. Kimrel says nothing. How many times? There is the sound of rattling ghostly breath. And Kimrel says, Three. Three times. Leo reaches up, yanks the choker around his neck off with a snap, and throws his holy symbol to the ground at Kimrel's feet. We're done. I am tired of listening. Five years ago, you promised me we were going to do great things together, and the only thing we have done is bring about loss and pain and death. I am done. There is a pause. And then Kimrel says, The terms of our deal don't allow you to just back out. Watch me. I cast a fourth level blight on my holy symbol. Kimrel disappears. So going forward, if we level up, I will be holding my levels until I can find a way to narratively make a multi-class make sense. Because Leo will not be using any of his clerical abilities going forward. He is done. He turns around on his heel, and stomps back off to camp. Fee, you were back at camp. I know you're outside. Are you still awake? Yeah. Okay, you saw Leo walk off into the woods, and heard him scream distantly. Fee is sitting by the fire, like, digging a trench in the ground with a stick, and just says, Not my business. Several minutes later, Leo comes stomping back into the clearing. That same just 
raw, grief-stricken expression from earlier is carved into his face. And he just sits down next to the fire and puts his head in his hands. Roll perception for me real quick. Fourteen. You're able to notice that he does not have his holy symbol around his neck. It's gone. He's not saying anything to you. He's just curled up on the ground, one hand knotted super tight in his hair, and the other one with his thumb spinning his ring around on his finger clutched up to his chest. Dead silent. He waits a second very quietly and then says, I would have made sure you knew sooner, but you were wanted for treason, so it was a bit logistically complicated. He still doesn't say anything. There is just this long stretch of silence, broken by only the crackling of the fire and the sounds of the forest at night. But eventually you see his shoulders start to shudder a little bit, and you hear... <laughs> it sounds almost like he is crying to himself. And when he finally raises his head takes his hand out of his hair and looks up at you, there are tears running down his face, but there is also a big, beaming smile stretched across his face as well. Those sobs slowly warp. <laughs> this is this is so stupid. <laughs> We're halfway across the fucking world. The blinks and then says, yeah, we sure are. <laughs> We're stranded in the middle of nowhere with two people who don't even know where Australia is. And what the fuck are we going to do if we do get out of here? This is so dumb. <laughs> Fee slowly starts to smile, too. I think just a little bit hysterical. She says, <laughs> We left everybody that we are close with on a mountain in Fogfilter. <laughs> everybody I've ever given a shit about hates me. <laughs> We're probably both wanted for treason at this point. <laughs> so Soren's dead, and we're stranded here, and I'm stuck here with you. <laughs> yeah, Fee just loses it. Just <laughs> Our camera zooms out through the darkness on the two of you next to this fire, both at this point with tears streaming down your faces. Just throwing your heads back and laughing hysterically at the sheer irony and unfairness of it all. And that's where we end for this week. Welcome to season two, everybody. <laughs> Can't wait for Leo to be just absolutely useless now. So true. <laughs> See you guys next time. On Compelled Duel. Hey everybody, Barry here with the postscript, just clearing up a couple housekeeping things here at the end of the episode. Uh, welcome to season two, everybody. We'd like to start off this season by thanking our new patrons, uh, RB and Grace Worley. If you are interested in supporting the podcast, you can head over to patreon.com slash compelled duel. We have all sorts of fun perks available on there, including early access to episodes, access to bonus content, access to exclusive playlists on our Spotify, even letters from your favorite character every month. As always, we are active on social media accounts. We do have a Twitter, Tumblr, and TikTok. You can find us there at Compelled Duel. You can also find us on TikTok at Compelled Duel Audios, where we post audio snippets from the show. 
We have some other cool stuff, including an official Spotify account where we post character playlists and episode playlists and stuff like that. We also have an official website. You can find all of that stuff linked on our official social media profiles. If you're interested in supporting the podcast, we ask that you consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts if you listen to us there. That helps grow our listener base, get us promoted to a wider audience, stuff like that. And as always, word-of-mouth advertising is the thing that helps us the most, so if you're enjoying the podcast, just tell three friends about it, and if they like it, tell them to tell three friends as well. Our next episode is going to be coming out on Friday, June 18th, 2021, or if you are a member of our Patreon, you will get access to that on Thursday, June 17th. We have got a lot of fun stuff planned for this season, so we hope you guys are buckled in and ready to go. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next week.